Hello and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. Come back every second Monday to hear new episodes and subscribe in iTunes or add the show to your RSS feed to keep up to date. For more information, detailed show notes, and links, you can visit soundofthemoment.com. And if you like what you hear and want to support the show, please give us a favorable rating or review in iTunes. This boosts the podcast visibility and helps other listeners to find it. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Lever or look for Sound of the Moment on Facebook. This is episode number one for 23rd of October 2017. This is the first ever episode of the show. And my guest today is the Romanian guitarist and viola player George Dumitriu. His latest record is entitled Proverbe. And before we get to my conversation with George, let's hear a track from that record. This is Proverb 3. Thank you. 
mai ducă sacul. Eu, domn, tu, domn, cine să mai ducă sacul? You just heard music from the Romanian guitar player, violin player, viola player, um, all around multi-instrumentalist, George Dumitriu. George, welcome to the show. Thank you, Pat. Very nice to be here. 
Um, yeah, thanks for coming on. So um, we are here essentially to talk about your new record, Proverb, with your trio, Dimitrio, um, which came out earlier this year, in June, is that correct? Yeah, exactly, in June yeah. 2017. And you've, uh, you've been touring that recently um, with the trio. Um, first of all, for people that don't, maybe aren't familiar with your work, maybe you want to tell people about, bit about who you are and, and what you do. Uh, yeah, uh, I've been living in the Netherlands for the past uh, 10 or 11 years. Uh, although I'm Romanian born and uh, I'm, yeah, to take it from the end to the beginning, let's see, maybe it's better that way. Uh, I'm uh, working as a jazz or improvised music, classical music uh, uh, scenes. And mm -hmm. uh, as you said, I'm playing violin, viola and guitar, of course. Yeah. Uh, I came to the Netherlands actually to to study jazz guitar, but I'm more focused nowadays on on viola, especially yeah. in string playing. And uh, two of my main projects are Dumitrio, also the the album that we're going to be talking soon, I guess. And the other one is uh, the duo that I have with Sanem Kalfa. Yeah, which is guitar and voice. Guitar and voice, and recently also viola. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's interesting to, to jump straight into the album and, and see where we go from there. Mm -hmm. um, proverb, because it features your grandmother speaking some Romanian proverbs. Yeah. And, um, yeah, maybe we should talk about that use of voice. I find it quite interesting. Of course, it's something that I relate to because I do that a lot with, with my project Tinman and the Telephone. Um, the way you employ it is both somewhat similar and somewhat different from the way we do. Um, it seems like it's very much the basis for improvisation on the record. Yeah, it definitely is, yeah. Um, you is, yeah, maybe, maybe you can first talk about the, the proverbs. There's four proverbs on the record. There's four right? proverbs, exactly. Yeah. Can, can you maybe tell us about what those proverbs are? Yeah. Uh, First of all, let me just correct you a little bit on the Romanian pronunciation of of the title. Oh, okay. Probably the French would be proverb, right? Proverb, yeah. You don't course. read the E at the end. In Romanian, uh, we read it and it would be proverbe. Okay. And it's the plural of proverb. Yeah. As simple as that. And uh, yeah, I have to tell you that actually the main focus of the album in the first instance was Romanian folklore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of arrived at the point where I was blocked between uh, making a fusion of folklore and jazz, which I totally wanted to avoid, and then uh, <clears throat> trying to find uh, another way around it. Uh, I came to oral folklore, mm -hmm. and uh, I was uh, more going towards... Um, um, how do you call them? Um, chants, like... Uh, uh, traditional chants. Okay. And then uh, I went more for the wisdom of the of the Romanians, which were the proverbs. And uh, when I recorded this, uh, when I recorded my grandmother, it happened that I was in her uh, uh, house for a week. It was just a couple of uh, weeks before recording 
uh, with the trio. Yeah, you were you were composing there as well, right? I was composing there. Yeah, yeah. I was. I just spent. I just wanted to be away from everything and to kind of uh, have some space to really focus on the music and and make some decisions. And actually, the idea of proverbs, proverbs, and actually recording the uh, proverbs with my grandmother saying them was like a last minute thing. It wasn't. I didn't even take it seriously at that point. <laughs> okay. And she was very strong uh, saying them and she had such a uh, intonation and later on explaining them, she she did a very good job on that. That uh, it actually centered all the CD around that. You know, it, it kind of became, a, yeah, the, um, how was it called? Um, leitmotiv of yeah. the CD. Obviously, I, I suspect none of our listeners are going to actually understand any of the Romanian. So maybe you could clarify what the different problems exactly. are and what they mean and and how they relate to this idea of Romanian wisdom. Yeah. I actually spent today some time uh, writing a page on a website which uh, <laughs> explains... I have had this from many people because I actually forgot to include... Uh, the explanation of the proverbs yeah. on the CD. So uh, the first one is uh, in Romanian is "Calul mare de drum lung și prostul mare de grija altuia." Does it make sense? Uh, <laughs> I suppose it makes sense to some people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, if I would translate it, "motamo" uh, it mean uh, um, the horse dies uh, because of a long way. You know, like traveling a long mm -hmm. way. Oh, I remember actually subtitling this. I wrote, I, I helped out with, you made a promo video with Christian. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Uh, and he, okay, so now I understand better. Yeah, I was I was helping correct some of the English um, writing in the subtitles of your promo video. Anyway, sorry, keep going. And choose it, yeah. Yeah, actually, the, the video explains best because it's it's an explanation of my grandmother. Uh, yeah, but so the horse dies from a long travel... And the and the fool dies worrying about someone else. Yeah, it's it's a bit hard. Like when I say this on the shows, people like don't really get it. So what is the what is the wisdom we're supposed to get from that? Well, the idea is that uh, um, you know, let's start with actually the second part. Yeah, the fool dies worrying about someone else, meaning that. Uh, uh, Instead of uh, of thinking, you know, of worrying, thinking of somebody else's problems and uh, and worrying constantly about what this guy or that guy did, mm -hmm. uh, it's better to just mind your own business. You know, like to really take care of your own stuff before everyone else's. Yeah. Okay. And the horse. What does a horse do in this <laughs> proverb? Uh, I guess the horse is a symbol of uh, of devotion. You know, like when you are devoted to a friend and you really, you know, you would want to solve all his problems, but he cannot solve his problems before you solve yours. You know? Yeah. Okay. So the the horse <clears throat> is the positive force in this story. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. With, so that's one of them. There's, there's three more, right? Yeah. The uh, the other one that comes into my mind right now is Gura Lumi, no astupa nici pământul. 
Okay. Mm, Gura Lumi, uh, the mouth of the people, mm. uh, cannot be covered, not even by the earth. Okay. Covered as damped or... Uh, so the voice of the people, I suppose. Yeah, the voice of the people. And it's basically about gossip. You know, like ah, people okay. like to talk a lot and then no matter what, you cannot stop them talking. Yeah. So it's better not to listen. <laughs> okay. But so was it, was the idea that you, you asked your grandmother to just say random proverbs or what, where did it come from? Did you have an idea of what you wanted her to say? Yeah, I had a rough idea Yeah, of some proverbs and uh, she was happy to, to provide these ones. I think there are some of the most popular Romanian proverbs, or at least, you know, from my point of view that I heard most. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, to bring it back to the music, um, it's, and maybe, I don't know if this is a fair statement to make, but I always hear dealing with the idea of using spoken word in, in, in recorded music. Um, people are always talking to me about Steve Reich mm -hmm. and I always feel like that does not really relate to the way, um, I work with voice intimate and the telephone. Um, but listening to your album, earlier today, it did strike me that there is kind of a tape music element to, to what you do. There is sort of this, obviously, looping the, the first track on the album yeah. opens almost with like a minimal music mm -hmm. um, idea. Um, I suppose because you're working with several instruments, um, with only three instrumentalists, there must be some overdubbing going on, or, or is it live looping? Um, maybe you can talk about that. Um. Most of the proverbs, I mean, three of the proverbs that we did on the on the album, they're uh, uh, pure improvisation on the on the looping of the proverb mm -hmm. of each of the proverbs, and uh, we had a little bit of trouble with that at the beginning because we couldn't find a way that we can relate to the proverb and to you know to use the material, but uh, I like that we actually went away from the basic idea of transcribing the melodic and the rhythmical content of the con uh, yeah content of the proverb yeah. and kind of we just started to work around it yeah. and to use it like a a spring for improvisation and the the first proverb on the record is different first proverb meaning the fourth proverb <laughs> it's the first first track actually on the CD yeah yeah and that one is different because it was it's it's actually a created it's a composed uh, track yeah i just recorded uh, several uh, samples of each one of us separately yeah playing all instruments uh, christian grancian uh, drummer he was playing also cello and I, I played on violin viola and guitar and mattia both on double bass and uh, bass guitar mm -hmm. And then I just took all the samples and uploaded them in Ableton Live, which yeah. is a really loop-oriented uh, uh, program. And uh, I just created like a composition from from samples. Yeah. Okay. But so were you were you because obviously Ableton is also quite a performative thing. Were you performing it live or were you basically producing it? You... That was yeah. That was it was just produced when I okay. performed it like that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, maybe, so you you talk about having avoided the 
the Romanian folklore thing in the past. I, I, I mean, I've, I've known your music for a few years now and it's never struck me as something that you were particularly um, shooting for. Whereas a lot of people I know from, um, from countries such as Romania, or for example, I had a conversation with, with Bobby Petrov about um, Bulgarian traditional music. A lot of these traditions are so rich that musicians that come from those countries tend to immediately sort of latch onto that as, as something that they do. Um, what, why, why the change of heart, I suppose? It seems to me like there's something also related to you have, like you say, you've been focusing more on the viola recently than, than on the guitar. Do you feel like there's any relation there? Did you say the change of heart? Or? There, I mean, you, the change in the sense that you, like I say, I haven't felt like the Romanian traditional certainly traditional music was really that present in in your, your ah, music okay, until I see. now. Yeah, no, I and, understand. And is there is there some sort of a, a relation to the idea of because you also when I've I mean when we studied together in the in the conservatory in Amsterdam you were very much into live electronics and mm-hmm. um, sort of pushing to the future so to speak. And um, now obviously you're going back to sort of a, an acoustic instrument and sort of um, yeah, is it, like I say, is there something there? Am I making that up? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, what happened was that in the first instance, uh, my first research uh, draft for the for the conservatory was around the Romanian folklore music, so I had an okay. idea already to to work with this. And I have to say that I came closer to Romanian folk music once I left the country. <laughs> which happens actually I found this on on many fellow musicians uh, and uh, what happened actually when I came to to actually you know making a record involving Romanian folklore I realized that in all these years that I invested you know transcribing listening to folklore music and and I, I didn't have enough that I could you know um use it naturally like I couldn't really synthesize it and and have it you know that have it come out naturally in my language and actually in the language of the trio mm-hmm. even more than that and I, I felt like it wouldn't be fair to all the others who know Romanian folklore much deeper than I do so then uh, yeah do you think it's something that your bandmates also relate to I mean uh, Obviously, you you work with an Italian bass player and a Slovenian drummer. Yeah. Um, how how have they taken to this idea of a folklore that obviously it doesn't particularly belong to them? Yeah, I guess for for Mattia, uh, because he's Italian, there is a, a closer connection to the Latin world. You know that Romanians and Italians have a share, and um, also the jokes are kind of similar. And I imagine, I don't know much Italian proverbs, but I imagine that they have something in common with the Romanian proverbs. So I think he he could understand, he, he was more receptive to even the sound of the proverbs, you know, like like the phrasing and the, simply the, you know, the words, because yeah. they're very close together. And, uh, I, but anyway, I think the the connection with the, Proverbs was 
not so much from the tradition of I mean I haven't spoken much about it to to them it, mm. I was more interested in getting the sound of the trio yeah through this perspective and so for me it was more important that they are they are not blocked by some concept or some idea and that they will freely improvise uh, more on the sound let's say of the proverbs or yeah and um so I saw that you you have a fairly interesting approach to rehearsing and therefore had an interesting approach to recording, which is that you say you rehearse together from early morning until late night. First of all, what exactly does early morning till late night mean? Um, and, and then, yeah. yeah, maybe you can talk about what that means. It means a that long means. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe you can talk about how that influences the, the process and the music that comes out of it. Because I can imagine you... Um, the, it must have quite an interesting impact on the energy and 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 the the, the focus of of the band. Yeah, we had this idea with Christian ever since the conservatory years in Groningen, <clears throat> because we would always have to have like two hour rehearsal or you know there was always something going on classes, mm. and then we were wishing for a time when we could uh, rehearse you know like really spend days together and really go deep into this and uh, at some point I think after graduation even or I can't remember when exactly it happened uh, we went to Italy to Mattia or we actually it happened also in Groningen but especially in Amsterdam later on it happened that uh, we grew to this way of working and we would rent uh, a rehearsing space and really be there from whatever 10 or 11 o'clock in in the morning and mm -hmm. until one or two o'clock a.m. Yeah, okay. With some uh, little breaks, you know, yeah. eating something or taking a little rest, and uh, I think this works, but not you know we we actually uh, had to work in more ways, meaning that we would also jam or just freely improvise or work on specific material, and. Uh, that was also a very interesting thing to try to do while recording. There's always a pressure that you need to finish in this amount of days or that. Hmm. And um, it was a, an experiment I didn't know if it was going to work. When I asked uh, Mark Schotz from Beam House to, to set up a recording for us, and uh, it was good enough to just leave all the equipment and we would only press record okay. you know, whenever <laughs> we wanted. Because where exactly did you record? Um, it was uh, it was a rehearsing place of New Ensemble in the north, Hrasbeck. Okay. It's basically a, a garage place, yeah. which is very nicely uh, arranged. It's very mm -hmm. cozy and there's plenty of space to host all our instruments. <laughs> yeah, I saw from the pictures you had a massive circular setup of all kinds of stuff. Um, but okay, so you... You basically had a sound engineer set it up for you and then you just yeah. sat there and, and played. And so how does that, like I say, how does that impact the music? What did you, um, like, do you notice any patterns in where the takes are best? Do you notice anything? Yeah, I think there were some things which, well, you know, you always have like uh, some some takes, especially if you play improvised music, there are some unexpected, unexpected moments which happen on any kind of recording. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that we had more time and space uh, brought us to some places which which actually I was very happy to find while rehearsing this way. 
Yeah. You know, there was like this one moment when something happens, which is totally outside of our reach uh, in, in normal situations. And uh, I think on, on the CD, that's uh, Momentum, it's called. It's a, it's a track with only strings. Yeah. I think that was the peak of our recording yeah, in really terms beautiful. of uh, connecting and reaching another place and what we can usually reach. And so how... Is that also improvised? That entire yeah, that is that is fully improvised. Okay, wow. Um, it it sounds like it could be composed. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna write the score of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, ideas like you know, uh, ideas of of over, overdubbing some things, or for example, the the last track on the CD, the third proverb. Um, that was also close to that kind of moment, you know, that we would be at the end of the day and kind of sort of exhausted and perhaps, you know, running out of ideas and patience. Mm. And then we say, okay, let's try one more time. And then there's this moment of something opening. I suppose there's some sort of a, a trance state that you reach at some point if, um, if the, yeah, if the energy is, if, if you've been making music a whole day, then, um, and it's interesting because the way, the way the proverbs are set up is also very trance-like. There's sort of a mm -hmm. repetitive nature to it. I can imagine you can get into a a, a state of, of mind that um, that yeah, if if you're working over a long period of time, it, it allows you to mm -hmm. explore things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, maybe you can talk about. Um, and I know it's something that jazz musicians and just using the word jazz musicians is already a problem but um, improvisers and jazz musicians tend to not like to talk about style so much um, but I do find it very interesting how on this record you seem to have managed to combine all kinds of stylistic elements um, that are at the on the one hand very strong in in the, the, the way they're anchored in a certain style and also very unified across the entire record. Um, there's there's very much one sound, despite the fact that you're going from, like I say, these trancey looped free improv moments to um, what sometimes is almost a rock kind of a sound. Yeah. Um, and then to some sort of, yeah, folkloric music or classical music. Um, is that something that you go in trying to do or is it something that occurs naturally? What? Um... Yeah, to tell you the truth, I was trying to avoid at all costs labeling or like framing yeah. the whole. Also, also because uh, it's our first uh, album with strings. So mm -hmm. it was very hard to frame it into something consciously. And then I guess I just wanted to rely on the on the um, proverbs perhaps you know that they would connect everything together and and the on the language that we have as a trio more than thinking of a certain style to to frame it into and if you'd ask me to describe it stylistically <laughs> i think it's almost i don't know i have no idea how to 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 describe it but those are the best records in my opinion when you you don't necessarily know what it is but you know that it it is one unified thing. Um, yeah. But also I think that's that's a very nice goal to have when making music, 
like from perspective perspective of the maker of the creator because then you you don't set any borders to what you want to do there's no you know there's no um, yeah i mean this sounds cliche there's no limits but you kind of free yourself from the burden of of uh, be of um, belonging to a certain style of music yeah okay but then how how do you i mean just in how you how this translates into performance um what does a live performance look like of Dimitrio right now um i i didn't get a chance to attend any of your release shows but um i can imagine given how produced or yeah like you said sample based some of the things on the record are yeah um or how much it relied on this idea of being in the moment mm -hmm. um how yeah maybe you can talk about what what a live show looks yeah like. i guess in that sense i i went towards working like a you know like a pop band let's say that they mm. produce their record in the studio and then they have to find ways to put it into live yeah and uh for example we took this idea of of uh, overdubbing strings mm. of having this layer we, we did this on the third proverb and uh, we just took this live and uh, you know creating a loop that adds and at the end we would just leave the loop machines on okay and uh, my grandmother with that loop yeah or the loop of my grandmother <laughs> <laughs> she never came to any of the concerts by now <laughs> um and actually you know just grab the strings the string instruments and play acoustically over it yeah okay and that was nice it's also very nice to to have this uh, uh two layers of electric instruments let's say you know the amplified mm. instruments yeah. and uh, the acoustic string playing i think it's very fulfilling to to be able to make both kinds of sounds yeah because like you said there's something that i mean you've been going more towards Play more and more viola. You've even been playing some solo viola sets recently, as far as yeah. I understood. Mm -hmm. um, what does that? First of all, what kind of repertoire are you playing? And uh, well, it all came from the pure curiosity of exploring the instrument, exploring mm -hmm. viola. Uh, because you're a classically trained violin player. I am, yeah, I'm classically trained. So I was uh, at first, you know just going there to see to explore repertoire and explore instrument and I really love the viola repertoire there's some beautiful contemporary music written and also you know the, the Bach suites for cello yeah. and uh, one of the pieces that I focused most on was the Ligeti viola sonata which is absolutely beautiful and so mm. so well written for the instrument and you know at first I took it as a challenge to to be able to learn the instrument more in depth but then I discovered that I had a lot to learn also in terms of composition and and yeah depth of performance it's it's so uh, fulfilling to to go through that kind of work and um, further on yeah I would like to to go through Kurtag's uh, uh, short pieces for viola and there's a lot of more contemporary classical repertoire which I have in mind but uh, the other side of it, I think it's is free improvisation. Hmm. And I think the the way, maybe it, it seems a bit stupid, but the way I, I came 
to playing again acoustic instruments uh, was uh, because I wanted to to stay away from all the uh, energy that I spend with uh, uh, fixing bugs on a laptop electronics, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, as much as you know the the laptop and you know the programs, and there are there's always something going wrong there. And you know, there's already so much time invested on a computer, writing emails, and you know the daily work we have to do as musicians. Yeah. That I felt that I I can find more fulfillment and just connecting straight to an instrument instead of needing another medium. Yeah, and there must be something very directly experiential about you make this gesture and this sound comes out um, yeah. rather than you write this line of code and you hope that you didn't miss something somewhere and therefore... Yeah, yeah, or, you know, worrying on stage that everything will work out, you know, and it's very, everything is super set and programmed and... Yeah, because the pre last time I think I saw you play with the trio, you were relying quite a lot on on electronic things. Yeah. You were using um yeah, using quite a lot of, of, of software based um Ableton Live and Max MSP. Yeah. Yeah, actually that was uh, the direction we had at that time with the first record of the trio, Future Nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And it was nice. It was a nice addition to the sound of the guitar trio. <clears throat> but uh, I think with the viola, you know, it just goes much more direct. Everything, you know, just the from pure sound, the connection with the instrument and vibration, mm-hmm. and that's all. You know, it's it can give a lot, and you know, also it doesn't need such a dramatic. Uh, uh, how to say, you know, with the electronics you can go really dramatic, like to create a very loud, uh, uh, you know, spectrum of sounds or, you know, so a you, very large, let's say, a very large spectrum of sounds. So you feel like the, the limiting nature of of just a set of strings and a bow and, and fingers is allows you to, yeah, work within those limited parameters and, and have a... Yeah, I guess that's the best way to put it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, it is. It is like limitations are, are uh, definitely uh, pushing borders. And yeah, that's that's always interesting to me. How improvisers approach um, indeed setting limitations to themselves. When you go on stage and you have no idea what you're going to do, how do you make sure that um, yeah that that you actually do anything at all, I suppose. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, through those limitations, can you force yourself to not be actually repeating yourself by, does, I suppose there's all kinds of exercises like that that, that we deal with um, in order to, yeah, to focus down on, on, on certain parameters. Yeah, and also like going back to the, to the laptop, the thing that the thing was that I, I was getting more and more into engineering than making music, you know. And then you really can go everywhere. It's like limitless possibilities of of ideas and of sounds that you can make. And I felt it was a infinite universe, and I would just get lost into that. So I guess I needed more limitations. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, maybe we could touch on very briefly what the work that you do in duo with with Sanem, Sanem Kalfa, the, the the singer. Um, how has that been impacted by this this change? Um, I mean, I'm speaking as though this is some sort of a massive life change that you've gone through, but um, I suppose it's very interesting to have projects that have existed over quite a few years now and that see change in, in, in your own sort of musical yeah. taste and choices, etc. Um, maybe you can talk a bit about yeah, that. I also have a tendency to have long-term projects, I guess. <laughs> They're both quite long. With Dumitri, we started in 2009. And with Sanem, I think even earlier, 2007, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 2007, even. And um, with Sanem, we went through a lot of different changes. Of course, there was this uh, stage where we wanted to write very... Uh, you know, to put all the knowledge that we had from conservatory and from the environments we were into. Uh, and I feel that, in the, you know, in the past period, that has become more settled and our music is becoming more uh, genuine, let's say, more concrete and stronger and simpler as well, you know, but in a, in a good sense, mm, simpler. Yeah. There's more space for improvisation and for, uh, for being in the moment while performing. And we've been working already, we have a program uh, that has developed naturally in the, in the past two, three years. I mean, naturally in the sense that we haven't had any, uh, maybe we had like a two, one or two songs that were very arranged, you know, like very complex and mm-hmm. as we used to do on, uh, on our first record. And uh, <clears throat> now we, we are more focused on having simple songs it's actually it's actually very song oriented the project yeah. right now and um yeah i think the fulfillment comes from playing a song in as many ways as possible or like really uh color it with the with the energy that we have in that moment you know yeah and i suppose the duo format leads allows itself to be um yeah allows a lot of, of freedom in that sense because yeah definitely gives a lot of space dialogue Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and we just recorded uh, Monday. It was this week we recorded. Okay. Uh, and so, is that something we can expect to hear? Um, I hope so. We actually haven't <laughs> listened to it. <laughs> okay. We decided that it's going to be happening next week. The listening. Okay. You know, just to have, to let it settle. But uh, it was quite a fast recording. It was the opposite of we that we did with the trio, but mm. also because we played much more with an M and the repertoire is. Uh, it's much more clear what direction that we want to go to. So we managed to record it in, uh, I think it was five hours or six hours, the whole wow. thing. And um, there is a new influence that we have, uh, which is Rumi's poetry and Rumi's quotes. Okay, yeah. And um, <clears throat> Sanem was using that. You know, we actually started from improvising, hmm. writing those songs just recording some bits of it and then uh, we'll listen back and try to frame it into something and when once it became a concrete idea we didn't let it uh, you know become an arrangement as well but you know just a melody or a song okay but so that is um, 
you're going to be releasing a record presumably in the nearest future what do you have any idea on what the time frame might be for that yeah i hope if everything went right with the recording i cannot say yet no of course <laughs> listening back to the takes yeah i hope it's going to be happening in december okay wow great yeah that's that's quite soon yeah um okay um as we as we sort of reach the end of this conversation um there is something i like to ask my guests which is is there anything recently that you have seen in terms of a movie or read in terms of a book maybe or a record you've listened to or something an yeah. exhibition you've been to something like that 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 you could maybe recommend to people listening um yeah definitely there's uh, i've been very inspired by watching tarkovsky's uh, 1975 picture called mirror zerkalo in russian mm-hmm. and it's uh, it was absolutely uh, stunning experience if i can say <laughs> so because you know there's nothing that you can make logical sense out of okay it's very pictorial and very uh, uh emotional you know it, it delivers uh without you know the the filter of of rational you know it's yeah. it's one of the, his most uh, uh controversial movies i guess it, you know a lot of people say that it doesn't make any sense hmm. and a lot of people say that it's the most beautiful of of his whole work yeah i have I'm, i'm not familiar with it i haven't seen it is this, is it another one of those very long um sort of epic Yeah, it's quite long. It's yeah. quite Tarkovsky like. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um is this something is is there influence of if obviously the drummer in your in the trio Christian is is also a Definitely. filmmaker and, and quite obsessed with Tarkovsky as far as I I know. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, he was uh, always encouraging us to study this or that director. Yeah. And I know Tarkovsky is one of his favorites. And I think I I've watched it right after having a conversation with him about uh, the book that Tarkovsky wrote it doesn't come the title doesn't come into my mind right now mm-hmm. but he wrote uh, a book where he explains the way he was seeing uh, cinematography yeah which is be- very beautiful because it compares it with music mm-hmm. where you <clears throat> where you don't have like a concrete storyline and you know everything is much more dreamlike yeah. you know Uh, you cannot say is this or is that you know it's like really connecting and communicating on a higher level than words can do yeah it's <clears throat> oh, interesting um uh, hopefully i'll be able to have Christian on the show at some point to talk more in depth um on the subject um is there anything we can expect from you in the near future besides this record with Sanim uh, is there any yeah as i'm very interested into viola playing yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i would i would like to to focus on that more and uh, also i've been uh, um, i've been uh, motivated by the uh, concert in beam house in september mm-hmm. that i had to to explore more you know solo playing and to actually i think i might make a record next year i'm not very sure about that but it's it's one of my main focuses right now okay great i look forward to hearing it Um George thanks for being on the show. And Thank you very much Brett it was a pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> That was my conversation with George Dimitriou. Keep listening for some more of his music at the end of the show. 
you will be able to find links to his website as well as detailed show notes at soundofthemoment.com and I highly recommend going and checking out George's record Um, it really is beautiful I'd like to thank my fellow members of Catrio for providing intro and outro music and if you have any questions or comments I'd love to hear them so don't hesitate to reach out to me I'm at Pat Cleaver on Twitter and there is a Sound of the Moment page on Facebook Right now, the best way to support the show is to add it to your RSS feed or subscribe in iTunes and give us a rating or review while you're there. I leave you with an extract from George Dimitrio's solo viola set at the BIM House in Amsterdam. This was recorded on the 27th of September. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment. Thank you.